Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doing. It's one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, and that is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is Entertainment Writer, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Monday, November 30th, 2020, Cyber Monday, just after Thanksgiving, and you saw a movie you have been making fun of for, for many, 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 many weeks now. No, and, and no, I, I wasn't making fun of the movie. I was making fun of the fact the movie would never come out. And as soon as okay. I said it'll never, ever come out, ever, 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 period, the end, then Marvel said, ha-ha, here's a movie for you to come out in theaters. Uh, so on digital in the mm-hmm. last week, New Mutants finally came out, and I had to watch it, and I must admit that i have seen much worse x-men movies in my day Hmm. the other thing i was not expecting this to actually go down the horror route i know they said it's a horror movie as well as an action adventure movie and i thought that would be a bunch of hogwash because you know they're mutants you know they've got superpowers so how scary can it be right Mm mm-hmm they actually tried. They really, really tried to make a, a decent horror movie out of this. And I was surprised that it actually felt like I was watching a horror movie with X-Men type characters in it. So that was pleasantly surprising that they actually kind of pulled that feat off of, of making something suspenseful and moderately scary. When this was shot, a lot of the exterior work and, and some of the interiors was shot at Medfield State Hospital which is a mental hospital mm-hmm. in Massachusetts that's been abandoned for 50 years. And yeah. evidently the cast themselves would, was kind of creeped out by the building, which is said to be not just haunted, but super, super haunted. <laughs> that's so, the best kind of haunted is the super haunted. All right. So they went down the horror route. Yeah. And it, and it dug into the, uh, the aesthetic of the mm-hmm. abandoned, you know, place. It was weird. I mean, it, it it wasn't the best movie in the world, but it certainly wasn't garbage. There's no no, no one should be ashamed of, of that movie at all. Mm-hmm. I have one major complaint, and this is moderately spoiler heavy, so just skip ahead for 10 seconds when I say mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no climactic battle. It's just someone says, no, bad, stop it. And, and then the 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 bad guy the the entity or whatever just kind of goes oh okay then and it, and the movie ends <laughs> and you're like huh i thought there was going to be a big dramatic battle a big huge thing and story wise what with what they're trying to do it makes sense in the context that it's provided in but we're so used to giant blockbusters where you have like a large nemesis character and this movie really kind of lacks a major nemesis yes we have the one doctor who is keeping them there and running their experiments or whatever but they don't really feel like the main antagonist throughout the movie so when you finally get to what is the terror at the end and it's big and it's this just force of nature and someone just kind of turns and goes no bad dog uh it was like really that's how we're gonna go okay i get it um yeah so in the context of the movie it was a very weird way to end it but beyond that it was based off of apparently the demon bear storyline from new mutants so they were actually pulling very very heavily from a a comic arc Mm -hmm. and uh yeah overall i I, the effects were were decent enough where i felt like it was a proper x-men movie it 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 didn't feel cheap it didn't feel like 
Um, it didn't feel like Corman's Fantastic Four. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everyone there was really trying on a real, honest to God movie. There's there should be no uh, stigma against this mm-hmm. film just because it wasn't released. Mm-hmm. So I went in with the lowest bar in the world, and I went, "Oh, this is actually a decent time." Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't expect it to be the greatest movie you've ever seen, but just a entertaining mutant film that goes down the oh and the other thing is it mm-hmm. felt a lot like a nightmare on elm street movie without freddy krueger mm. there's an entity at play that that is making some some bad things happen but you don't really know what that is and that's kind of the underlying thrust of the movie is the unseen entity in the background so yeah, a lot of, a lot of weird things that would happen in a like a Nightmare on Elm Street type of movie, except there's there's no Freddy Krueger and it's a bunch of mutants that just are confused and they don't quite understand all of their powers. Of course, you know, Johnny won't reveal what his power is until a, the crucial moment in the movie where you got to find out. Oh, he does this and then that happens. So it wasn't a bad time. I liked it. Okay. Well, except okay. well, what one one drawback? Everybody has an accent mm-hmm. so there's like a irish accent there's a russian accent there's a deep deep tennessee southern drawl accent y'all mm-hmm. and when you put them all in the same room it borders on hilarious okay well th- this is why they invented closed captioning sure sure all right and well okay i will make a point of, of chasing that down to watch sometime between now and christmas so they're about Conversely, though, if you want to just see something fun, if you want to head over to cartoonbrew.com, did you see the sessions with Stan? Yeah, where he talks about the F word. There we go. Yes. First of all, it's beautifully animated. But again, it is Stan singing the praises of one of George Carlin's seven words you can't say on television. Right. Aaron talked about, I mean, he worked for Stan uh, for years, you know, kind of on and off. And this was just something that, that he recorded off the, you know, and Stan did off the cuff. And one of the reasons he, out of all the stuff he had recorded of Stan, that he wanted to record this, he said, it's so likable and candid. It's the way I, I want to remember him as a sharp as attack, goofy old man who would do anything for a laugh. And he was going through old folders on his computer and came across as, oh, well, I got to use this. So a lot of people wonder if their hero, what their heroes are like behind closed doors. And I, I personally find it reassuring when they're hundred percent as advertised and Stan was. So, right. Yeah. But again, adult language. So just be aware of that as you head over there, check this out. But again, beautifully, beautifully animated. Anyway, we, we started the show without me doing the, the very necessary, where is it? Here we go. Storybook destinations. The news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Marvelous Disney podcast. If you're now ready to travel again and want a worry-free travel experience, be sure and book online at storybookdestinations.com. So at the top, we were mentioning it was the weekend after Thanksgiving. We're actually recording on Cyber Monday. Did we do any holiday shopping? No, no. We napped. That okay. was it was nap Monday, and we'll, <sighs> we can cyber Sounds any wonderful. day of the week. Okay, yeah, we've we've gotten so used to shopping online that we just didn't feel a special 
day or need and the things that we're looking for are so specific, they're not mm. on sale. So, No, 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 I get that. And more to the point, what's been interesting this year, the, the one-two punch of COVID-19 coupled with the fact that really starting like a year or so ago, a lot of the big boxes, a lot of the major retailers kind of lost their enthusiasm mm -hmm. for the Black Friday concept. I mean, between, you know, having to, to have employees come in on Thanksgiving, coupled with the fact that there, you know, there have been a number of ugly incidents coupled, you know, and then let's not forget about the true diehards who would get online Tuesday or Wednesday outside to get their big screen television. And it just seemed that the wind kind of went out of the phenomena. So now, basically, there were a lot of places that we're talking about that the month of November is Black Friday. We bring this up in, in, in a Marvel podcast because we've done a lot of talking on the show about the Marvel Avengers game from Square Enix. For Black Friday, they cut the price from $59 uh, down to, well, you can get it at Target right now at $29.99. You can get it at GameStop and on Amazon for $26.99. On the other hand, the Miles Morales game, which just came out last month on November 12th, it had a higher starting price point, uh, $69.99 for Black Friday, got dropped down to, what, $49.88 on Amazon, and GameStop's got it for $49.99, likewise Target. I bring up the holiday, you know, people looking for holiday shopping, because if you've got a Disney fan in your house uh, who also likes Marvel... There are two items that are going to be in the top of the list, and one of them, Aaron, it will be hard to get, and the other one will be impossible. The hard-to-get item is a spider bot from Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. And again, we've talked about this attraction on, on previous editions of the Marvelous Podcast. It's going to be featured in the Avengers Campus at Disney's California Adventure. The idea is that Peter Parker is working at the tony stark research facility and invents this spider bot and what ends up happening is the machine that he's using to fabricate the spider bot gets caught in a, a replication loop and so instead of making say five or six of them he makes five or six thousand and they they've now broken loose and are running amok in the avengers campus and that's the conceit of the game you're helping peter parker he gives you the technology to shoot webs out of your your wrists, and then you're sent out into a recreation of the Avengers campus, and you're supposed to be helping collect all of these runaway uh, bots. But again, in the fine Disney tradition, Aaron, that every attraction ends with you exiting through the gift shop. And in this case, uh, in the gift shop, you are actually going to be able to buy a spider bot and take it home. I, I think it was basically inspired by that uh, Astro Mech thing that they have in galaxy's edge the shop in blacksboro post the uh oh, the droid, droid depot. yeah where you build your own droid so are you able to assemble your own you know black spider legs on a red spider uh, bot and blue I, spider you know, eyes and i don't have that info because that part of the problem here is california adventure is closed i mean just recently they reopened the buena vista street and the two side streets, but they're only open for shopping and eating. The Avengers campus is still walled off. In fact, what's been funny online is seeing the people who've taken the picture of the massive wooden gate that separates the open part of the park from the Avengers campus. And it's lots of people straining their necks trying to look over the wall. So you can't get to the gift shop at the end of Web Slingers. But what they are doing is setting it up. Well, first of all, 
starting today on the uh, 29th and through December 3rd, if you're an annual pass holder, you can buy these things in advance. They've set up a temporary store in the old ESPN zone at Anaheim's version of Downtown Disney. So I've found one of them online, the mm-hmm. Spider-Bot. They're red and blue. They've got mm-hmm. white eyes, and yep. it doesn't look like any sort of interchangeable parts. It is what it is, you know, as, as far as customization, there is none. But the quick description, it was Spider-Bots can crawl backwards or forwards, crouch, mm-hmm. spin 360, stare down with their laser eyes, attack mm-hmm. other Spider-Bots, and blast off their shields. And it looks like maybe the blue backing of the spider would get blasted off if mm-hmm. it lost its uh, rock'em sock'em spider robot challenge. Yeah, no, this is the item we're talking about exactly. It's a little pricey. These go for seventy nine ninety nine plus tax. Oh, that's nothing. It's going for 200 right now on eBay. Get it while you can. I'll buy two well, or three of them. <laughs> you laugh, but it looks like that may in fact be the case. I don't know if you saw that Governor Newsom today, I mean, at this point, it looks like the Disneyland Resort, the two theme parks there, the earliest they'll reopen is spring of next year. And the Imagineers I've spoken with said, basically, they want a couple of weeks of test and adjust and cast member previews and that sort of thing before they open Avengers Campus. So the earliest, the actual, you know, the web swing ride would be open to the public and people would have access to get these things would be summer of, of 2021. But Newsom today is talking about the fear of the post-Thanksgiving surge in COVID that he may order a lockdown this week. He mm-hmm. may issue a stay-at-home order. And if that happens, Disneyland closes. Again, they have to start from ground zero again with the notion of well, when, you know, under what condition we open downtown Disney and so it may, in fact, be the only the people who got in today to the annual pass holder only store um, in the old ESPN zone who will then turn around and start selling their spider bots for 200 bucks plus on eBay. And the reason I bring that up is that back in November, they had in this very same facility, Aaron, this, this ESPN zone, they had a cast appreciation market place. And that's a polite way of saying you know all that merch we printed up that has 2020 on it? If you're a cast member, you can come in here and buy this for 10 cents on a dollar. We just, we need to get some sort of return on this. Right. And if you, you were a cast member who went in and bought this 20th, you know, the 2020 merch, is you got a swag bag with that. And in the swag bag was a limited edition pin that said, Aaron, Avengers Campus 2020 assembled as in remember because the right it was supposed to be but th- there we didn't. go well th- then- that's it exactly <laughs> exactly so now here's this pin for when avengers campus was supposed to open which remember was july 18th of this year and those are right now on ebay in fact just before we started recording that i, I checked and there's at least one there that's listed for a hundred dollars or best offer yeah, no thanks. I'll pass on a T-shirt that promotes a thing that never happened. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of things to get uh, for the holidays for for the mm. Christmas Marvel fan, have you seen yet Marvel Legends Deadpool's severed interactive head? 
No, <laughs> it's great. It's oh. wonderful. So it's uh, it's just the head of Deadpool because you know that's how he rolls when yeah. when he's got his regenerating ability. But mm-hmm. uh, whenever you move it, like it's got a proper neck, right? So the head mm-hmm. kind of moves left and right, up and down, and and does all the tilting. And the eyes, like of the mask, open and close, and and he does all the proper like facial expressions for being you know covered <sighs> with a mask. And he's got like over a hundred different sayings that are just ridiculous. Oh. And apparently there's a light sensor built in so you can put them in the refrigerator. And when oh. the when someone opens no. the refrigerator and the light comes out, it'll be like, hey, close the door. I'm trying to get, co- you know, cool off in here or whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, like there's so many things that they've thought about. They've got a motion sensor, I think, built into it where it can detect if it's being dropped or tossed in the air. And then say appropriate thing like "wee" or whatever while you're tossing oh, in the air. My. Yeah, it's incredibly mm. crazy cool. But uh, Marvel Legends uh, always has some really good stuff. And oh, it, like yeah. usually it's a mask or a helmet of one of mm-hmm. the characters. But this one was Deadpool's interactive talking head. And it's just funny, funny, funny. On a very appropriate tangent here, did you see the news that broke last week? I mean, again, remember, you have been so kind of sweating the whole Deadpool 3 situation since Disney bought. Um, yeah, and I mean, the speculation is so blanket basic <laughs> that, mm-hmm. uh, well, Doctor Strange may have something to do with bringing him in through the multiverse. And it's like, yeah, well, either him or Wanda. Those are really the only mm-hmm. two that have access to that door. Mm-hmm. What detective work, Scooby-Doo? Here's your Scooby snack. I mean... If they're going to bring him in, yeah, that would have to be one of the only ways because if if you just say, well, he was here the whole time in our proper 616, then mm-hmm. we have continuity problems with, well, where the hell are all the X-Men now? There are two women right now who are trying to solve this very problem. Wendy Molinex and her sister Lizzie Molinex Logan. They are writers for Bob's Burgers, and they have just been signed to write the screenplay for Deadpool 3. So remember, you know, we had Ryan Reynolds earlier this year teasing the fact that he was going on the Disney lot. He was meeting with the Marvel people. So they are at least heading down this road? Not and necessarily. No, no, no. Not necessarily. You're misleading the public, Jim, with, with willfully. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember when Fox was still Fox and not part of Disney? Mm-hmm. If a X-Men movie got put out, it got a Marvel tag put on it. Mm-hmm. So Deadpool is a Marvel property. If they're going ahead with Deadpool three, mm-hmm. fine. Doesn't necessarily mean it's connected or entering into the MCU proper just yet. It just means it's point. another Deadpool movie. Okay, and that by itself mm-hmm. is whatever whatever it wants to be, whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. The possibilities are truly endless in that arena right now. But what most fans are most concerned with with Mm -hmm. Deadpool is how does he join the MCU and obviously I think that either through WandaVision or through Doctor Strange we could get a glimpse where he he shows up for a split second Mm -hmm. and then buggers off back to wherever he came from yeah so right right now I still think it's it's new I don't think we need a full commitment like a marriage commitment it's you know it's dating it's let's see what happens let's do Deadpool 3 let's kind of flirt with him being in the MCU see how Mm -hmm. fans react make sure nothing gets broken 
And, uh, you know, we've we've still got a long ways to go of a lot of stuff that's already been planned for years now. Oh, God, We've yes. got Eternals and, you know, just, just a mess of stuff. So, you know, I don't see Cram and Ryan Reynolds into the middle of all of this right at this particular second to be the most, you know, crucial thing. He's meeting with Marvel. It's a Deadpool movie. We'll leave it at that. Okay. And speaking of stuff that may be significant, may not be significant, remember when... Netflix canceled Daredevil. There was evidently language in the contract that, what, they had to wait two years, two full years? Yeah, before they could start up on it again. Yeah. Have we got that day? Can we celebrate? Do we bake a cake? We have finally achieved that date. And what's what's interesting is that, I don't know if you've heard about this online petition. Not only are people writing to, you know, trying to, to nudge Marvel Studios to do something else with their Daredevil, but they're also asking Marvel Studios to rehire Charlie Cox, who who played the the Man Without Fear for all three of the seasons of Daredevil that were produced and aired on Netflix. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about all the for it? Committee I, mm-hmm. I really, I really, really enjoyed almost all of what they did on mm-hmm. Netflix with that. And mm-hmm. I would be terribly happy to see them continue where they left off as long mm-hmm. as they've got story to tell. And I, I believe okay. in the case of many of those characters, they do. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Murdock being a lawyer could be thrown all throughout the MCU because, you know, they break buildings and such. <laughs> they mm-hmm. might need some legal help every once in a while. And your honor, according to the uh, Sokovia Accords of 2012, uh, we know that uh, throwing a building on someone is just wrong in this day. <laughs> so, so yeah, you might need Daredevil to be the lawyer for Hulk, you know, because Hulk got mad. But yeah, I, I would I would love to have them all back. I don't think we would get all of them back. I think we'd get a select chosen few. Mm-hmm. I know that Kristen Ritter has said that she's okay with being done with mm-hmm. Jessica. I'm sure if they showed up with a big old truck full of money mm-hmm. at her house, she'd probably go, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's another story that we can find somewhere to tell about Jessica. Just mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk. Everybody wants the kingpin to come back, uh, Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio. And uh, and they want Matt Murdock, and they specifically want Charlie Cox, who played Matt Murdock, to come mm-hmm. back as Matt. They don't want to recast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I say... When we get to Mardi Gras season, everybody buy your king cakes and send them to net. You know what a king cake is, Jim? Of yes, yes. Okay, yes. with with a little baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we send uh, king cakes to net or not Netflix to uh, to Disney headquarters all throughout Mardi Gras. Uh, king cakes for the kingpin because it's a little baby in in a cake. And uh, yeah, that's our message. That's how we let them know that we want a revival of of Daredevil. King cakes for for everybody. Wow. Okay. Well, at least we know what the commissary at Disney will be serving for, <laughs> That's for, right, for months and months to come. Months and months to come. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, now speaking of limited series, some you know, we hope to see and some that, that we will see. In fact, Jeremy Renner popped up on Twitter November 17th to show off all of his training equipment. Uh, evidently, the stuff he's using to get back in shape to play the title character in his Hawkeye limited series. Please tell me he took a picture of a Bowflex. <laughs> You know, I there's a there's definitely a target in the background, but okay. boy, wouldn't that have been appropriate, a bowflex. 
Yeah, I just figured, you know, you got to do your, your stretches and your pulls and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Bowflex would be the answer for an archery guy, but apparently I was wrong again. No, okay. no, no, that, that's, that's a great insight. But he, this is what he tweeted out. It's time to train after, after a three-year break. Fluidity, speed, and pain are my future. And, of course, hmm. what he means by the three-year break, he's referring to the fact that uh, production of uh, Avengers Infinity Wars uh, began back in August of 2017. So it's been a while since he's been, uh, you know, Hawkeye. And then, but then on November 23rd, now he's on Instagram and it's a close up of his face and it's, it's bruised and bloodied and he's got a cut in his eyebrow and the capture is Mondays. And it's like, he's just come out of the makeup trailer. He's ready to shoot his first scenes as Hawkeye. And evidently hockey, Hawkeye got wailed on for Hmm. that first scene. And just putting this out there, because some very sharp-eyed Marvel fans who live in the outer boroughs of New York came across flyers in a Brooklyn neighborhood that uh, warned folks that they should be moving their vehicles on the night of December 1st because uh, they're going to begin filming Anchor Point in that same neighborhood the very next day on December 2nd. Well, evidently, Anchor Point is the working title for Hawkeye. And now the question is, who's going to be joining him, uh, Jeremy Renner, on the set? Because news broke just today that Florence Plew, who, who plays Yelena Bol- Bolovanov in Marvel's Black Widow movie, she supposedly joined the cast of Hawkeye. Not as the female lead, mind you. That's still supposed to be Haley Stanfield, who's, who's supposedly playing the, the Kate Bishop character. Mm-hmm. And all the deadline reported today when they broke this story was that Pugh's Yelena character will don a Ronin-inspired costume, similar to the the suit that Clint Barton wore in Avengers Endgame. Not sure what to make of this news. I mean, we've talked about... they they got to sell new toys every film, Mm -hmm. which means everybody gets a costume change. Mm -hmm. And all the superheroes have all had a different identity than Mm -hmm. what they currently are. Mm-hmm. I remember Spider-Man once had a team called Slingers, but everybody had a different suit and it was mm-hmm. crazy. But yeah, like everybody's had a different superhero identity. So I think just in the same way that he was Hawkeye throughout mm-hmm. all of the movies and then all of a sudden in Endgame he shows up as Ronan. And I think it may have confused some of the fans who weren't aware that Ronan existed in the comic books or what that storyline was all about. Um, I think the fans who read the comic book saw him show up as Ronan went, oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's badass. And went on with, with the rest of the movie with no problems. And I think the people who didn't read comic books for a living watched it and went, huh? Who? <laughs> Wait a minute. What, wasn't he bow and arrow guy? Wait a minute. I thought he had a bow and arrow. And yeah, then they're going through their program. Out of these 32 main characters I've got to keep track of, they're switching up their <sighs> on me. <laughs> <laughs> But it makes sense that they're going to change costumes, sure. No, 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 no. I, I, I get it from, from merchandise and action figure. In fact, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of WandaVision because Kevin Feige has flat out talked about, you know, he grew up watching entirely too much Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched and the like. And so, you know, you got to wonder how many outfits we're going to see for uh all of them Maximum. all of them damn it every episode's a different tv show right it's got to mm-hmm. be come on i'm just so happy for something you know fresh new and different out of mm-hmm. our mcu world that's not mm-hmm. you know just your your standard two-hour movie 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, uh, here's our hero where we left off. Here's our new villain. We got to give a little backstory to them. They got to have a face off and chit chat a little bit, get to know one another, figure out what makes each other tick. Then they got to go work on their plan. Then they've got to have a, a big battle at the end. And after a while, it's just like, yeah, we've seen this over and over and over and over and over again. And yeah, I'm very happy to see them just go in a completely bonkers direction like a sitcom from the 60s. Because how many people, you know, were around in the 60s to actually watch that the first time around? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, I you can't see me raising my hand from here, but again, yeah. I'm old. <laughs> Just circle back to Mr. Feige for a moment. He's doing some interviews now out ahead of the January 15th debut of WandaVision, and you get this Venn diagram of this very affectionate send up of 60s sitcoms. This is his talk of the backstory of Wanda at the moment we're meeting Wanda for this, this six episode limited series. Like, if you look at the Infinity Saga, I don't think any single person has gone through more pain and trauma than the character of Wanda Maximoff has. And no other Marvel character seems to be as powerful as Wanda Maximoff. She's probably near the upper echelons of power in the Marvel Universe. I contend that she would have taken Thanos down if he hadn't called Rain Fire during their battle in Endgame. No Marvel character has a power set that is as ill-defined and unexplored as Wanda's. So it seems like exploring that would be worthwhile post-Endgame. Who else is aware of this power? Where did it come from? Did the Mind Stone unlock it? And what he finds especially fun about WandaVision is as this limited series ends, Wanda is now the Scarlet Witch at the height of her powers. So as she comes into the Multiverse of Mantis, Wanda will then be Doctor Strange's equal in a way. And so we'll have two heroes kind of work in the same plane come together in a fun way. It's kind of interesting for me to hear Kevin kind of pop the hood about what potentially we're dealing with here. And also just to get a sense of, again, we keep talking about that stuff that's introduced on the limited series of Disney Plus then carries into Disney theatrical. I guess you really do have to see WandaVision to appreciate what's about to happen in Multiverse of Madness. Well, it's almost like it was designed like that somehow. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to have it all so carefully, you know, threaded and plotted mm-hmm. out, if not sometimes just a, a hair on the tedious side. But mm-hmm. as a fan, when you found out that uh, Wonder Woman got cranked up to a, a Christmas HBO Max release... Mm-hmm. Like mentally, my head turned to the right and looked over at a Scarlett Johansson dressed in a cat suit. Like, hey, Black Widow, do you see what this girl here is doing on Christmas? What you doing still in May? Why don't you put your shoes on and go walk over to Christmas on Disney Plus there? Like, what better way to celebrate Christmas, Jim, than a girl fight? And again, those letters should go to Aaron Adams. <laughs> What's kind of interesting talking with folks at Disney especially now with you know in fact the what is it the, were they the surprised first... were they surprised were they sur- about it yeah did, did they did... themselves i mean what, what what happened when when news broke about wonder woman coming up december 25th and they're like guys should we do anything what do we do do we do we do anything do we stand our ground what do we what do we do the weird part of it is in fact iker's been pushing for this exact thing the notion that you know, again, the example he, he supposedly uses is the fictitious Star Wars 35. 
And the notion is that on the day Star Wars 35 comes out, if you want to go to your local IMAX theater and sit in a reclining chair and be surrounded by the, the state-of-the-art Dolby and the largest screen in the world and have a Star Wars experience, absolutely, we can make that happen. But at the same time, if you're the type of person who just wants it now, at 12 midnight on the day that movie is supposed to come out, if you're sitting at home in bed and you grab your iPhone or your tablet and want to watch it there, you can do the same thing. So for you know, a weird subset here, folks at Disney, it's like, this is ideal. So, you know, that somebody else is doing what we've been talking to about to the exhibitors for a decade and they've been resisting us. And now it's Warner Brothers fault. It's like, oh, hey, you know, it's a, you broke the mold. You know, oh, well, we'll just come in the door behind you. Did Bob actually believe that they're going to make more money off of that and not tragically less money because you don't have to go to a theater to see it? Because you get to milk the cow twice, sometimes three times, depending on if you double dip on your DVD with good enough extra features. Where this started from, Disney had internal reports that talked about how much money they lost when, you know, say a movie would open in New York at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. And by Saturday morning, that very same film was selling on the streets in Beijing that somebody had gone into an early screening. Yeah, but piracy, because they're doing it with the video camera in a theater. If you release a digital copy the same day, there's a way to rip a digital copy and release an even more pristine pirated version yeah. the day it comes out. I mean, there is no way around piracy. I, I mean, I've, well, worked, I've worked with the technology that makes sure that piracy exists because you have to be able to you know, mm -hmm. make a copy of something in radio and television. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there are machines built to get around the copyright protection so we can show the video that we need to on the TV. No, 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 absolutely. But the thinking was that the digital release of the exact same day that it's going into theaters, you kneecap the pirates, you know, their window of opportunity to take, to make money off of faster, cheaper, and you can watch it the convenience of your own home. It's like, well, we're doing that officially. You take one of the arrows out of their quill. Yeah, but it seems like you cut your audience in half because a lot of my friends that are specifically like sci-fi nerds about, you know, like Marvel movies mm -hmm. are a great example for this podcast. I've gone to all of the Marvel movies in theater and then I've purchased them when they came out several months later on digital or on Blu-ray or whatever. Mm -hmm. If I have the choice to skip the theater experience and I can buy the Blu-ray or the digital that same day, and I do, before they got me twice, every single time, every single time they got my money twice. Now they're only getting it once. Forever and ever for the rest of my life. That's how that deal is gonna work. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel that the friends that I take to the theater with me that are eager to see it on a big screen, if we're given the option, because we do have a pretty kick-ass home theater set up, mm -hmm we're going to say, no, thanks. We'll just stay at home and you're only going to get our money one time. I mean, I like the idea of it because it benefits me. Mm -hmm. But if I were a bean counter, I would be going to the store to buy an extra set of Depends. What's interesting is if you talk with the creatives, if you talk with the directors, the producers, they are genuinely terrified at this moment because the industry as they know it is an upheaval. And, mm. you know, the whole notion of you have the Netflix, you have the Disney Pluses, 
that are, are changing the world or changing the way we consume our entertainment. And we have this entire hundreds, if not thousands of theaters here in the United States that Jim, rely. This, I have a know. feeling, Jim, that this is about to become a bloody fist fight. Netflix just sent me a notice that they're raising my price by like two bucks. They're just shy of $20 at this point. I think it's like, you know, seventeen ninety nine. So $2 and a penny more. We're at 20 bucks a month. Hulu is much more affordable. Disney Plus has got a price point, but, you know, and then it gets to the content. And now HBO Max is trying to be relevant in the game. And they're like, hey, look what we're doing. Day and date, theater and at home release. Who the hell is going to see it in the theater? Really? You could just buy the subscription of one stupid ticket to one whole month of HBO Max the whole family can watch it all month long. Just put it on a loop and watch it a hundred bazillion times. There's no need to go into a theater. This does not benefit a theater. It only hurts the theater. This past weekend, it was traditionally, you know, that four and five, you know, if you count Wednesday, that five day long holiday, you know, long Thanksgiving day weekend where you'd see a lot of family films open. It was a great time for the industry because, you know, people would, be hanging out with their relatives and after three hours it's like, I got to get away from these people or I, you know, I got to get the kids out of the house. Let's go see a movie. And in a weird sort of way, the pattern held, I don't know if you said the box office for the crudes, a new age. It's, it's the first time in months that a film actually made multiple millions. I want to say over that, that period it made $14 million. Mm-hmm. You know, and there were people, in fact, who did go out to the theater, understanding that this is going to show up on Comcast and Peacock relatively soon. In fact, I think mm-hmm. as early as Christmas Day. In fact, as I understand it, the Crudes, a new age, is actually probably going to open, going to be available on Peacock the exact same day that Pixar's Soul is. You know, Christmas Day, and so you know, in a weird sort of way, you know, we have that blockbuster head-to-head thing that we used to get in theaters only this is going to be yeah. on um you know on the streaming uh, channels like i said it's it's about to be a fist fight amongst all the streaming channels mm-hmm. everyone's got their a game you got wonder woman for crying out loud on christmas mm-hmm. day ready with to to throw down some punches so i think soul is going to get pummeled by wonder woman no i mean they're two different demographics mm-hmm. they'll both do fine everybody will love everything it's not it's, we're just happy to have content speaking of content or making people content we want to make our sponsors content here folks so if you get, let us take a moment here to throw in a few commercials and then we'll be right back It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We talked a little bit about WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, and it turns out Elizabeth Olsen, you know, having just finished the reshoots of Wanda, is supposedly on a plane now, on her way over to London, where she'll begin shooting Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with Benedict Cumberbatch in early January. And both of them were flying into place, so they spend the first half of December quarantining, and then the next two weeks is pre-production, costume fittings, and the like. 
And then they start shooting in January. Though, I don't know if you saw this interview with Benedict Cumberbatch, who he was evidently off in New Zealand shooting a watch commercial when the whole travel restriction COVID thing came down. And he was, he was stuck in New Zealand with the, the production crew for this watch commercial. Cause they, they couldn't get a plane out. And no, you know, no, that's no, not what, no, no, that's not what happened. Okay. What happened? New Zealand collectively as a nation mm-hmm. kidnapped Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> they understand he's a national treasure. They're going to hold him hostage for some money. Okay. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> Speaking of New Zealand related stories, and again, I know sometimes I read too much into things, Aaron, but mm. did you see just this weekend Taika Watiti had a photo taken with the All Blacks? It's a it's a New Zealand rugby team. But the interesting thing about this photo is who's also in the photo with Taika. And that's Adris Elba, the the actor who played Hemdell. In all the Thor movies, um, who, let's remember, died in Infinity War. Didn't Thanos kill him after he used the Bifrost? Yeah, right in the opening of uh, Infinity War, yeah. So am I reading too much into the fact that they're going to start shooting Thor Love and Thunder in January? And we talked on the previous show about how Chris Pratt is already supposedly flown into Australia again due to the quarantine thing. In my mind, these people just hang out naturally all the time now. Ah. You know, now that they've been in the MCU, they just have like a little... uh, Matter of fact, Benedict Cumberbatch just opens a portal, steps Mm -hmm. through it because he's got that power. (laughs) And uh, he's hanging out with uh, Chris Evans and his his puppy in Montana or wherever, whatever Mm -hmm. ranch that he's living on. And then he's like, oh, hold on one second. And then he waves his hand in a circle for a second. And then Robert Downey Jr. walks in. And the audience gives much applause for Robert Downey Jr., the surprise guest on today's show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's interesting. There is this psychological study where they ask people, they, they give them a choice between two superpowers. And one is to be invisible, and the other one is to fly. And I have to say, after COVID... The one you just described, the notion that you if you had the sling ring, if you could do the, mm-hmm. the Benedict Cumberbatch thing, and you could open the portal, and you could be in Target and just get bread, and then right. leave. You know, not no, no, actually- no, Jim, you don't even have to go to Target. You open the portal, reach into it, snag the bread, the bread. Oh. leave a dollar, <laughs> leave there a we dollar because we don't want to be thieves, close the portal, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think you've added a third superpower to the psychological study. I think you know just it'd be interesting to ask that question now to see what people's response would be. But we were just talking about uh, Marvel sequels that are being readied, and of course, in a kinder world right now, they'd be ramping up the version of the Black Panther with star Chadwick Boseman. You mm-hmm. know that that it was originally supposed to start shooting in March of this year, and you know Ryan Coogler you know had the script written and everything ready to go, and then we of course we. We lost Chadwick back in August. And so we're just now hearing about sort of the retooled, you know, you know, it's, it's still on track. They've, they push back the start of shooting till July. Um, they're going to be start in Atlanta. And the interesting thing is they anticipate they're going to be shooting for six months on Black Panther 2, dealing with, with the loss of Chadwick and, you know, trying to figure out a way forward for the franchise. Speaking of Chadwick, though, 
Did you see the news this weekend about the tribute? The updated opening of the Marvel flag? Yeah. Now, was that streaming or did they actually update it on like the digital downloads or like uh, if, if I were to go to my iTunes, I don't know if my thing would get updated automatically like that or if it's just Disney Plus. The first opportunity to view the change was just this past weekend on November 29th, which would have been Chadwick's 44th birthday. Uh-huh. But it's now updated on the version that's on Disney Plus. And evidently, going forward, every version of Black Panther that is produced, whether it's the physical Blu-ray DVDs or, mm. or the like, will feature this tribute. Right on. That's cool. They've only done this once before, when we lost Stan back in 2018. When I saw the Chadwick thing i it, i had the same sort of it had the same impact it did when they did the stand version of the opening logo it just right. sort of you you had the sense of this was a real loss you know in fact just four days ago one of chadwick's very last performances ma rainey's black bottom uh debuted on netflix and there's already evidently talk of doing a posthumous uh, supporting actor nomination the movie's based on an August Wilson play from the 1980s, mm-hmm. and Chadwick plays a trumpeteer in it that, that evidently does an amazing job. But again, if you're missing him, folks, you know, to hit on over to Netflix, you can catch another wonderful performance. But sort of strange to have this tribute show up in the same week with that we got this wonderful new little piece of animation by Aaron Frum of, of Stan, because you did such a wonderful job when we lost in about summing up the loss of the storyteller, the creative. And let's face it, there were all those those horrible stories. In fact, evidently that case is still continuing of those, those folks who took advantage of him financially. But it was lovely to have this thing that sort of captured behind the scenes stand, the lovely, loose, old storyteller. It's a moment that wasn't necessarily supposed to go public, but it's it's just so nice to have it. Outtakes are the damnedest thing, man. As a producer, boy, do you get do you get some evidence quick? Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. damning evidence. Like, what'd you say? Was that rolling? Are you still rolling on that? Oops. <laughs> like, hold on, let me go get my razor blade and some tape, cut that part out. I'm just gonna put that in my pocket. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, Mr. Mr. Uh, Senator there. If you'd like to uh, have this little piece of tape in my pocket, that'll be five thousand dollars. Uh well, there we go. Another <laughs> another exciting letter that, that you're going to get in a few days. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. If you're looking for other things to listen to, we do have some other shows here at the uh, Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We, of course, have The Mothership, Disney Dish with Len Testa. Uh, we have Fine Tuning with Duke Taylor, where we do animation news and history. We also have Looking at Lucasum with Dan Z. Uh, I Want That with Shelley Valladolid. And we, of course, have Universal Joint Anyway, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show, that helps us pick up new listeners. Uh, Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. On behalf of Mr. Adams, thank you for listening, and we will be back soon.